Welcome to episode 16 of the CineSnob Podcast, brought to you this week by Alamo Drafthouse. For times at a theater near you, visit drafthouse.com. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. And hey, we didn't get to see anything in theaters this week. Yeah, I know. Because of... For our uh, sweet 16th. For our sweet 16th episode. Uh, we will talk about that very shortly. But uh, how long has it been since we've been to a theater, guys? For for like a, a proper screening, it's been like three weeks, maybe. <laughs> we've been getting uh, screeners sent to us right. to watch at home. We've been seeing them on, yeah, we've been seeing them on our couch and on our, you know, little screens. Do you miss the theater after a while? Um, yeah, I do. I, I think it's an experience. I mean, there's some movies that you don't have to see in a theater. I, I don't look at it as you know, like certain movies that you have to see on the big screen i just look for the content so i mean you said gravity was one of those didn't you gravity i think is one of those um avatar transformers age of extinction <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> yes exactly um the gilmer de toro monster robot movie what was that pacific oh pacific rim, rim. pacific uh, rim was one of them yeah so yeah. basically now that we're moving out of the summer we can just you know handle everything on on the old couch <laughs> hey I, I don't mind i i you, you know, know for more intimate films, it, you know, it's so strange to say. Doesn't it get a little tedious sometimes when there's like you're like, oh god, I gotta go see three movies this week at the theater. <laughs> like it's such a stupid problem to have. A little bit. I, I actually really like seeing movies in the theater, and I would, I prefer to see most things in a theater if I had the choice. It's just, you know, kind of a pain to have to drive around and <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's and it's, see those free movies, those free movies. you know it's burden. interesting you know because i've been doing this for about 12 or 13 years and uh these last couple of years um i've gotten the most uh, opportunities to watch things at home and, yeah than i've ever been uh, had before uh, so i'm wondering how things are going to change as we continue to move forward like are we going to get to see everything at home well, i mean is it going to be come to the point where you know just go to this website and watch the movie and re- review it at, at, i didn't see anything at south by southwest mm-hmm. i saw like six or seven films that played at south by southwest like in the weeks leading up to south by southwest at my house and i don't know if i i don't know if i prefer the experience cuz south by southwest is a different vibe that's uh, almost how I think I don't I don't know if I saw anything at Austin Film Festival last year, but Kiko and I, between the two of us, reviewed like fifteen movies, <laughs> and I don't think we did. You go to the festival? No, I didn't get a chance to go. But yeah, we. I mean, we. Oh, I saw. I think I saw Nebraska at the theater. At the, at the theater at the, and I may I may saw uh, I may have seen one or two more. I mean, but, of course, you're going to get all the you know the ind- more independent films. You know, oh yeah, see our film. You yeah, know, right. Get, um, no problem. But um, in the bigger tentpole stuff, it's. But it's starting to happen. I mean, I've gotten things that I would have never gotten at my house, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ten like, years ago. Like Frozen, right? You got Frozen. You talked about that a couple weeks right. ago. Well, that's something different because that's when I get everything at the end of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, right. The Academy. Uh, the, or, I mean, the uh, awards screeners. Yeah, I get yeah. I get the award screeners the for your consideration stuff. But, I mean, closer, I mean, even like closer to the beginning of the year, they'll send stuff now. Or they'll send me a link to watch something. Yeah. Yeah, like lots of Vimeo stuff. and Right, I love Vimeo. Vimeo is great. Sometimes they give you those ones you have to download an app. and it just See, uh, yeah, it's too much trouble. Yeah, I just want to watch your movie, man. Don't make me download something. Like I watched The Guest, which we'll um, review next week, um, which is a pretty big, bigger, one of those bigger movies, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, you just that was a great one to click on and you just you didn't have to download anything. You didn't have to so, so think note, about it. So note to studios, make your... Screeners even simpler, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's. I think a lot of them are 
scared that you know that people are going to steal them. But they do right. certain things to them. I don't know. They if usually you can, watermark them. They'll watermark them. I don't know. Can you take a watermark out of a? You could just blur it. I yeah. guess that's what they typically do. Like if you see a clip from a, like an ABC show on CBS, they'll blur out the bug, the ABC bug. Oh, really? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to news this week. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. All right, it was announced this week that work has begun on 23 Jump Street, the sequel to this summer's hilarious, I think, 22 Jump Street, uh, featuring Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum. Uh, directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller may or may not be back. Uh, I guess the big kind of, uh, issue with this is at the end of 22 jump street if you haven't seen it already they lay out the plans for what up to like thir- jumps 20 like 38 jump street something like that yeah they yeah. parody the whole thing right. so it's like it almost like closed the door on any kind of sequel that right. were happening yeah. but apparently not 23 jump street was supposed to be set in a medical school right, right. Cody? it was supposed to be 23 jump street medical school well, do you have any more details on this um only yeah. that uh rodney rothman who i guess co-wrote uh, 22 Jump Street uh, will be writing it in the, like you said, Lord and Miller are, they don't know if they'll be back, but probably not. Um, they they kind of have a golden ticket to do whatever they want at this point. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they want to go down this road again. Have they talked about what their next project is? I haven't heard anything. Um, I'll get back to you on that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it, Lord and Miller aren't going to be back, I mean, why do it? It's their thing. They They're the ones that changed it up so much in the first place why why ruin a good thing too i mean they did two really funny movies uh people are just going to expect them to top you know what they did last one and that's kind of hard the the last one was so kind of inside and right you know meta full of meta humor and stuff i don't know that i think we talked about this we reviewed 22 jump street we don't where would you go next from this? Right, right. You know, you you made fun of all the the sequels. You know, dancing school and medical school and mariachi school. Was it mariachi school? <laughs> I, remember, I think so. So I don't know. I, I mean, uh, but this this movie made lots and lots of money this summer. I don't know what the total was, but it was a huge hit. Yeah. So that's, obviously I mean, that's true. I mean, it, it made so much money. It's I don't know. Do you make another one because of that? Probably. But uh, do you think it's it doesn't feel exhausted to me though? No, Does it doesn't. It? I mean, it doesn't. But again, I mean, the only place you can go is to the ridiculous level. You know what I mean? Like they're going to medical school. They're going. To, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else. There's no other place you can. You can't go well, to college. I mean, what's after college? You go to you know, go get your master's, M- master's somewhere. <laughs> at a, maybe if they go to like a Ivy League college, maybe yeah. that could be something. But I think one thing that will be interesting to see is if they go with the meta route again and this time do it about trilogies instead of sequels and try to do that because I don't know if if the if like you know the well's going to be dry when it comes to that type of meta humor that works so well in the second one like what would you what would you think if it was just that again but with trilogies instead of sequels I wouldn't mind it I I don't think I think Scream tried that like 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. it didn't really work out but they didn't have the same creative team all back from that uh scream the first two scream movies were written by kevin williamson and then the third one uh i guess he was busy doing i think he was busy doing dawson's creek or something when the third one came around and he that was uh written by aaron Kruger, who's written the transformers movies i think wrote the last transformers movie and it didn't work out as well but they talked about that was a lot of uh like 
how the third movie in the trilogy ties back to the first movie. Uh, and it, they didn't really pull it off, but I think Lord and Miller could yeah. with this 23 Jump Street because it's not taking itself seriously at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens because, I mean, they have said that if they want the job, it's theirs. I think that is that probably true of any movie for Lord and Miller right now? Like if, <laughs> yeah. if they wanted to direct if they wanted to direct a Star Wars movie, do you think that they would be allowed to direct a Star Wars movie? I don't know. It's it's so weird to to see like where where people find their line of being able to do stuff because it's either been those movies or it's been animation. So I kind of wonder you know what direction they're going to go in next. I know they're doing some TV stuff. I think they're producing like the um there's something I there read. There was a new the TV other day. Show, like a, they were bringing another TV show. I got to see what it is. Um, oh, it was the greatest American hero. That's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you're not familiar with that, you know the theme song. And that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Yeah. Did you ever watch that? I have Kiko? no idea what y'all are talking. You don't remember about. the greatest American hero? It's kind of a uh, William Cat. Uh, He's the the blonde guy with curly hair, and he became a superhero. Uh, I don't know. Wow, that's all I, I know. That's all I, know, I know about it. It's from the late late seventies or early eighties. I can't remember what. But all you all you ever hear from it is the theme song. I'll have to look that up. I've never heard of that. Wow. And when you said Greatest American, I just thought of I thought GI Joe. But that's no, a real that's American, a real American hero. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, if Lord and Miller come back, if Channing Tatum comes back, if Jonah Hill comes back, then. I'm all for it. I mean, they're two and two, two for two here. So, so you um, wouldn't trust a different director or, or the, pair of directors if they. <laughs> well, with the way that this is stylized in their own kind of weird, twisty way, no. If they not. if they were on board, like as producers or something, and they they handpicked a director to mm-hmm. do it, because they're not making they're not doing the second Lego movie. I don't think uh, they are. Yeah, you know, but if they stay on as producers and they have you know creative input. I guess we saw that didn't really work out so well with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. I don't know what Lord and Miller's involvement was with that, but that was pretty... You know what uh, would be really interesting is if uh, is if Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum directed it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good... Actually, their, their, their uh, careers are going in such fascinating ways because, I mean... Who knows? I mean, they they want to get on with other things, you know. Yeah. They're they're doing some dramatic stuff. We're going to see uh, Channing Tatum do some dramatic stuff. So I mean, maybe that's the next step in their career. What if they brought in something kind of crazy like uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg? Mm-hmm. Some kind of just out of left field choice where they have the same sort of sensibility, I guess. As and they all know each other. They're all friends. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, and I mean, Channing Tatum almost directed the Magic Mike sequel. He ended up not doing it, but he was about to. So he obviously has aspirations to direct. And uh, I think Jonah Hill either was going to direct something or has directed something that hasn't come out yet. But I remember hearing an interview where he was talking about directing. So I think that that they do that. Or, or like you said, uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen uh, would be a good idea. Or, I just thought of this, what if they had a, 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 like a, a crossover... And use the uh, the Bill Hader and Seth Rogen cops from Superbad, <laughs> and then uh, well, kind of connected them. What if they made that? Was it Twenty Four Jump Street where Seth Rogen replaced Jonah Hill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if they just did that and didn't even like mention it at yeah. all? I I don't know. I I love the series so far. Uh, I mean, I think they could come up with something as yeah. clever as that. Where you know, <laughs> that would be funny actually. 
Yeah. So that's uh, at least on tap, no release date scheduled like all these things usually get. Like, yeah. Hey, we're going to make this movie. It's going to be released on July 16th, 2019. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I got to make my plans already. All right, let's move on to the next item. Uh, Jason Reitman, director of Juno, Up in the Air. Uh, one of my underrated favorites was uh, Young Adult. His last movie, Labor Day, was a... Dud. <laughs> a critical and box office bomb. Uh, he's recently said that the movie was a, quote, misguided effort. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, you know, he, he talked about in, a, in an interview recently about how um, how people had really knocked him for that movie, and he said that he had worked harder on that movie than he's ever done before. And then he, uh, and then he talks about speaking with his dad, Ivan Reitman, um, and, and talking about how Paramount marketed a movie about a man and a woman, and everyone wrote about a movie about a man and a woman, but uh, but Jason Reitman wanted to tell the story of the kid in the movie. And so he said that it was maybe a misguided effort and maybe if he would have made the movie focused more on the kid, then it would have been more of what he was looking for. Um, so it's kind of like a, uh, a half-hearted admission of... That you made a shitty movie. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I read that and I'm like, well... I was on board with him saying, okay, it was a mis... He said it was a misguided effort for whatever reason. And I was like, okay, he's admitting it. And then he makes an excuse for it. And really, that movie just sucked, like, 360 degrees. Like, it just... <laughs> everything about it was so I, bad. I never got a chance to see it. You know, it's funny, because I had a, a, a co-worker come in the other... Uh, I think it was on Wednesday, and she's, she stopped in my office, and she just looked at me, and she just stared at me. And uh, I was like, what's going on? She's like, I rented the stupidest movie from Redbox this weekend. And it was Labor Day. <laughs> and we started talking. I was like, I, was, I know, right? It was like real bad. And she's like, that was terrible. And we just laughed at the pie scene. Oh, my God. The pie scene is just I like. Mean, <laughs> now he, did he write stuff. this film too? Uh, um, I, I think he did. I actually think he did. Um, I'm going to look at that real quick. But yeah, because I, I remember seeing, um, maybe it was. Labor Day, but I remember seeing like a, an Instagram photo of something of him holding a novel or had the novel that he was uh, saying that he was going to adapt it. And yeah, he he did he did wrote, write the screenplay. So I, I mean, I don't I don't begrudge the guy for <clears throat> you know saying that it sucked to a point, and then maybe saying you know kind of hedging his bets, saying that you know maybe it just didn't work because of this, because it is his piece of art from beginning to end right and it's hard to admit that hey, you know what i fucked it up i guess well i think i think it's we're bringing this up because personally i wish that more directors would at least come out and say that where you know if, if you bring up a movie that didn't really do well either box office or critic wise uh, most directors will just you know shrug it off yeah but at least some of them like reitman will come out and say what they did wrong with it. So I don't know. Um, I wish more people in Hollywood would do that. We talked Especially about, actors. We talked about that a little bit with us when we reviewed, reviewed sex tape. Yeah. You know, when uh, we had the, well, and the thing was we had Joe Swanberg. Oh, that's right. Talking about someone else's movie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, I'd love that to happen too. people calling each other out. That'd yeah. be great. But I mean, Labor Day was like, I, I, I don't remember the movie that well. Cause I kind of put it out of my mind after I saw it. But, um, the kid wasn't i mean it really wasn't his story like if 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 that's what you wanted then do it then write it <laughs> into the script like don't complain about it after the fact and i mean 
I guess you have a certain point where Paramount is selling a movie between the 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 couple because you have Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin. Of course, they're going to use them instead of some, you know, whoever that kid Random was, who, kid, yeah. who I don't even know if he had even acted that much prior to it, uh, prior to the movie. Um, I guess he has, but um, you know, he had, like Jared said, it's it's his movie from beginning to end. Um, and it's not like this is a big blockbuster tentpole, like we'll talk about in a second, um, where he didn't have control over it. I'm sure he had a pretty decent amount of control, and I just don't understand how, you know, he's complaining about something about the content of the movie when he could have just done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know how much a director like Jason Reitman gets complete and total freedom. I mean, he made one huge hit in Juno. And one really great movie, I think, in Up in the Air, and a really good movie in Young Adult. Uh, I don't know that he. I wonder if he does have, you know, uh, to deal with studio interference like some of these other directors do with with huge properties. Because I don't remember Labor Day being marketed at all. Marketed at all. I don't know if you either of you remember that. I like do. It, it came out Christmas Day, right? Was it? I think it was day? a slow rollout. It was one of those yeah. movies that was, you know, they re- released. Right. I don't think it got to like smaller cities, he, smaller he, I, media markets until January. But here's the line. Here's the line of what Jason Reitman said that kind of annoyed me a little bit was when he said um, the last line of the quote is. When a band plays a song outside of their genre, there's a little bit of, can you please go back to playing the songs we like? <laughs> and it's like, dude, it's it's a little bit different than that because we're talking about, the. first of all, I don't think that Juno Up in the Air and Young Adult are the same movie. They're, like Young Adult was playing outside of his genre, if anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that was not close to, to – you so know, those was movies. so was thank you for smoking. I mean that's something completely different yeah. as well. Right. So you can't you can't say that when it when it you know doesn't work in your benefit, but not call it out when it does. So um, I, and I think that's just kind of like a a like it's a cop out a little bit that kind of line where it's like people didn't like it because it was not the Jason Reitman they're looking for. People didn't like it because it sucked. Like, yeah. It just wasn't a good movie. I mean, there's a there's the idea that. If nobody finds a joke funny except for you, then it's not the joke. It's right. you. You mm-hmm. know, it's, I don't know. Did that make sense? No, I, I get okay. what you're saying. Yeah. But, uh, and I understand that, that, that he's, that Jason Reitman was upset when people say, were saying that he gave up and, uh, and that he worked really hard on it and he's proud of it. That's fine. But, um, but, you know, people didn't like it either critically or box office. It just, it was just not well received. And, and sometimes you know you make a you make a bad movie. There's uh, I got into an argument on Twitter once with a film critic named Scott Weinberg. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're not the only. <laughs> I'm one. not the only one that's got an argument with Twitter on Twitter with Scott Weinberg. I uh, used to work for uh, uh, was it Fearnet? Yeah. Before they shut it down. Yeah. Like a month ago, uh, he was uh, trashing some horror movie director. I don't know what it was. It's always some low budget horror movie with this guy. He was mad at this guy because he came out and didn't defend some film he had made. He said, oh, yeah, it sucked. You know, I only did it for a paycheck. And he was mad at him for saying that. And I don't understand why. Like, if a guy, if you admit, like, hey, you know what? It sucks. You don't have to stand by your art if you firmly believe that, hey, you know what? I just did it for this reason. Right. And so I don't really begrudge anybody for saying 
what they honestly feel about their work. Was I mean, it because Scott Weinberg gave it a good review? I, mean, I don't know what he gave I, the review. That probably like undercuts. Pro- know, maybe so. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I don't remember the circumstances of it all. I just know it was a Twitter argument. One of a couple I've had with them. Uh, really? You know, if, if you like that, you know, every once in a while. Um, do, you have, do either of you listen to the podcast, How Did This Get Made? With, uh, uh, with I I have once or twice. Yeah, with, um, it's got Paul Shear, Jason yeah. Manzukis, and uh, June Diane Raphael. Um, occasionally, they will have someone on who was heavily involved with whatever movie they're talking about. So, like, did you did you guys see Punisher Warzone? Did not. It, it is it is an insane movie, and they had the director Lexi Alexander on for it. And then, like, th- when they've done the room, they had Greg Sestero, who was in the movie on. Um, I wish more people would do that show to talk about. I think they had someone involved with like, uh, maybe not because they did the the Mario, I guess Mario Brothers movie, Super Mario Brothers, and I, I can't remember if the guest was someone that worked on it or not. But uh, but that's a good a good source for finding people owning. Well, their bad they, is that something that they do specifically for that show, or is that like a segment that they do? Or no, the, every every episode they do is talking about how an insane or bad movie got made, and so they're like, you know, they're just talking about how ridiculous it is, right? And so occasionally they'll they'll have comedians, or sometimes they'll have people who worked on the movie to kind of talk about it. It reminds me, speaking of the room, how Tommy Wiseau, the director and star of the room. Mm-hmm. Has since the movie gained? Have you seen? You've seen the you've mm-hmm. seen the room. We've all seen the room. How it went from being, uh, it, when it became a cult mm-hmm. kind of uh, like, oh shit, this movie is terrible. Watch, let's laugh at it. He turned around and said that it was intended to be yeah, that it was a comedy. A comedy. Yeah. And I mean, it is clearly, clearly <laughs> not. No. But he embraced it. I guess to no, know. I don't think that's <laughs> that's the, exactly what we. I wouldn't want him to do. I mean, he's not owning up to it. That's exactly what he. But I uh, no, I know. But it, it's <laughs> it's a it's an interesting take. I think you know, like, hey, shit, everybody hates this piece of crap. Well, let's just embrace it, man. You know what? Have you seen Best Worst Movie? No, man. You need to see Best Worst. I, movie I know for it's that. about uh, about troll. It's about troll two, yeah. and they follow like they talk about that. Um, but there's a scene in that movie where the director of Troll Two is he's doing all this press because it's. I mean, it's still at one of those hits. You know those cult classics. Right. People just so bad that it's good. People come out and see it at midnight showings. But there's a scene where the director realizes why people are coming to see the movie, and his reaction is just so perfect. Like he, he you can almost see it in his face that he realizes that people think that this movie sucks, <laughs> and it almost like breaks him down. Like he's like, wait Whoa. a minute, I don't understand. Now, now I get it. It's like I thought I made something that people enjoyed because it was wow. enjoyable not because it, i need to watch that yeah now. it's good it's really good uh, best is called best worst movie and it talks about troll 2 and one of the kids that was in troll 2 directed it so he had a really inside look at it speaking of uh bad movies being defended or uh what would you call it the andrew garfield star of amazing spider-man 2 uh recently i guess this week spoke out about the perceived problems with the movie that a lot of people had. He's saying that the uh, studio Sony cut the best parts, <laughs> all the best parts. There were 10 best parts and they cut all 10. <laughs> Cody, do you have, do you have that story pulled up or yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, 
he had said that you know a lot of people had said that uh, that a lot of people weren't very high up or high on uh, the Amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah, it which, sucked. Which it's yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, and, and in this interview with the Daily Beast, Andrew Garfield said um, he read reactions from people and he had to stop because he he it said he he got away from how he actually felt about it, which was that um, he really liked the initial script of it, and then he says that. Uh, that you know, Sony started removing things, and because um, it's a tentpole movie, that the studio has a major say in it. Well, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so he said, uh, you know, he he talks about how he got to work in deep scenes that involved. It says, and I got to explore this orphan boy, a lot of which was taken out, and I and uh, we should have explored more. Um, so I guess I guess there was more of that. I, it's you know, it's weird because. Basically, anything that wasn't uh, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy was just terrible. Anything that wasn't right in director Mark Webb's wheelhouse was not good. Uh, I don't think anybody likes the orphan storyline, do they? That's the thing that that, that differentiates this this film from the Sam Raimi films was like the, the giant emphasis on Peter's parents... Uh, being who the fuck knows? Yeah, it's some secret about them that gets doled out in dribs and drabs. Yeah, I don't think anybody gave a shit. You no, know? I don't think so either. And also, this the the movie also suffered from what kind of Marvel has been going through, and 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 how a lot of those earlier Marvel movies kind of felt like a build up towards something else. Yeah, and when you have the Amazing Spider Man two start and end. With a character that is only in those two episodes, or only in those two scenes, yeah. Like when you have Paul Giamatti in there for like two minutes of screen time, obviously just building towards the third one. Why? What's the point? Just handle what you've got now and worry about the rest later. Well, I mean, the lack of the lack of depth in the orphan boy storyline was far from the the biggest problem in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just sounds kind of like an actory thing to say, because here's Andrew Garfield, who kind of sprang into the public consciousness with uh, Social Network, and then immediately gets thrown into this shitty Spider-Man series, and that's all anybody's going to know him for from now on. You know what I mean? Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, bottom line, I mean, actors out there, directors out there, own up to it. If you're going to talk about it, then don't make excuses. Well, and you know, I... You know, this this kind of goes back to, you know, I I don't know if you guys have been watching talk shows this week, but Seth Green has been all over, all over the talk shows for the identical, mm-hmm. and he he keeps on talking about how it's a great movie and what really what really like uh you know drove him to the to the story and what really connected with him, and you're kind of like you're you're a comedian like own like you know make fun. I, of the yeah, movie. maybe maybe later on he'll do it. I think it's still a little too early for that. Yeah, there's and he. I don't know. Can actors be put under contract? Probably for they stuff probably, like that. They, usually they have some sort of publicity stipulation in the contract. That way you don't get somebody coming out and saying immediately, like, "Oh, this this thing's a piece of shit." Yeah, right. but yeah. anyone can pull up their computer, open up Rotten Tomatoes, and see that it's in the well, single digits. Well, right, but I mean that's we've talked about this before. I mean, there's that window of opportunity. Like mm-hmm. he knows it sucks. He knows it's not very good. He's seen, you know, someone like Seth Green is, I think, probably a little more in touch with the world than maybe Andrew Garfield is. I don't know. Maybe. 
he just seems like that kind of guy to me. Like he's the guy. He's read the internet. He knows all of the, it. He's read every page of the. <laughs> he printed every page of the internet out. Uh, he read. You know, he's read all the reviews. I'm sure. But he's got a job to do. He's got a job to sell this movie for you know two weeks or whatever the window of publicity is. Yeah, it's going to be over by the time he knows it, and then maybe in a year from now when somebody brings it up. Hey, remember that movie you were in last year called Identical? Oh man! But then uh, along the way, uh, towards this Andrew Garfield thing, I think a lot of people have been kind of throwing Amazing Spider-Man two under the bus. You know what I mean? Like Sony has not expressly done it, but talking like pushing it to 2018, the sequel. But and, but making movies that are offshoots of it, though. So well, not completely ignoring right. it. I mean, but talking about making the movies yeah not making them per se and i think th- this is probably as close as we're going to get to somebody totally involved with it saying that it just didn't work yeah you well know? and it, it, what's interesting is that andrew garfield actually uh um brings up the idea of fatigue for like public fatigue of spider-man yeah. in in this interview which is probably a fair point and probably the most accurate i, I would yeah, say i think it's completely accurate and, but and not that they didn't make a shitty movie, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you don't you don't give them time to breathe. Yeah, and so that's why you know, you know, Raimi's trilogy was not that long ago. And I, you, go ahead. I, I still I will believe Amazing Spider-Man three exists when I see it. Yeah, because it's at this point I can't imagine it going, go, continuing on as it has, just because the the last movie was just so stop you know just stop yeah restart again which would be awful but so whatever. so um we want to see more of those uh, instances where Halle Berry came out and actually received her uh golden raspberry for you know for Catwoman for Catwoman I mean <laughs> I, I love when stuff like that didn't happens. Sandra Bullock accept a Razzie for the blind side and then won the Oscar and then accepted for that yeah well she accepted the it was for Oscar a, no she expected ex- accepted the Razzie for All About Steve. That's then, what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, then went to the Oscars the next night. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I know. They didn't, even though, yeah, the blind side is something else. But I but she kind of, she, she didn't own up to it either when she got the Razzie. See, uh, she went and picked it up, but then she brought copies of the DVD to all the members of the thing well, that's... And, and said, maybe watch it again. And if you still think it's bad, I don't think she thought it was bad. I think. She just this, you know. She just went there because she's a good sport. I think Tom Green accepted his Razzie oh, person he? for Freddie Got Fingered, <laughs> which why not? Maybe yeah. the most well deserved Razzie of all time. I was, did we talk about Freddie Got Fingered? I think we before? did it. We did a little bit. Yeah, I think I still think it's just performance art. It's like Andy <laughs> Kaufman style performance art because there's no way, there's no way that. <laughs> like how did how did a studio like greenlight that? The, I mean, I know that Tom Green was huge, but but there's no way that's not just some like intended to be the shittiest, weirdest movie you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I I shouldn't badmouth it. I turned it off after ten minutes, so I don't know. If I it, watched <laughs> the whole thing. Anyway, uh, okay, that's gonna do it for news this week. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we've got No Good Deed. Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bother you. You were the only house with the lights on. 
I just lost control of my car, skidded and uh, wrecked it. Are you all right? I'm good. I just had a scratch. Oh my God. I'm all right. Do you think I could use your phone? I don't even need to come in. I'll stand right here. You can hand the phone shut the door. I'll be right back. All right, thank you. All right, in this movie, an unstable escaped convict terrorizes a woman who is alone with her two children. A little backstory on this movie. This is one that was scheduled to be screened for critics and uh, sneak preview audiences this week when abruptly, the day before, before. we all got an email. This is nationwide. Everybody got an email that said that uh, Screen Gems has decided to pull all of the advanced screenings in order to... Which I don't remember that ever happening yeah i, I want to read the official email oh, okay go ahead <clears throat> screen gems has decided to cancel the advanced screenings of no good deed tomorrow evening there is a plot twist in the film that they do not want to reveal as it will affect the audience's experience when they see the film in theaters screen gems apologizes for any inconvenience which bullshit <laughs> yeah we all wave the bullshit flag on that and, one and it's not unusual for movies that the studio knows are going to suck the, to hold them to something like Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or just not screen or it just at not all. Screen them, just, uh, yeah, just, just be like, no, sorry, we're not going to screen this. Mm-hmm. But this was one that was scheduled, scheduled in advance, at right. least a couple of weeks. I and, got it. And we had like, we had two screenings. We going had on tickets here. to give out to people. <laughs> we gave out tickets to people. And, uh, Sony, uh, screen gems pulls the screening because of a plot twist. They say, there's, the real reason it's probably it's probably there's probably two real reasons why what's what's the first one i know yeah i mean the first one is that it sucks i mean that's well, okay okay that's the se- but the second one the second one is uh this is a very this isn't a good week for a movie about a very violent man who's violent towards women to come out in theaters and, 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 and i mean let's let's pinpoint a little more a very violent black man yes to absolutely. be very, very violent to another a black woman right and you know obviously everything that has gone on this week with uh the baltimore ravens or former baltimore ravens running back ray rice um you know the video came out of him assaulting his uh then fiance right and an elevator came out earlier this week and um, I think it's fairly obvious that uh, fairly obvious, excuse me, that this was a panic move from Screen Gems, who, mm-hmm. who you know, wanted to essentially bury this movie a little bit. Um, who you know, because this is a very violent. I mean, it, in its portrayal of violence against women, it's very severe. This movie, and um, it's it's poor timing, and it's 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 kind of in poor taste a little bit. But um, you know. The problem I have is if Screen Gems comes out and says, hey, look, because of what's going on in the news, we think it's best to pull this movie from critics, you know, just to kind of, you know, not put it out there as much and in, 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 in kind of maybe be open to more criticism right. because of that. Right. That would have been more respectable to me. Right. Than just than making up this excuse for a plot twist. Right. What well, f- because one reason, I mean, they would have been it would have been the truth because that's what I really believe is this whole Ray Rice thing is the reason that they pulled yeah, it. Definitely. Yeah. Second of all, I think that they, you know, looked at their options and said, "Wait, well, if we say that this isn't this crazy twist that I don't want any, we don't want anybody to know about, maybe that'll help with ticket sales because people are going to yeah. you know, want to go in there to see what that big twist is." Which 
Which, isn't a twist. Which, it's just the plot. Yeah, there's no. It's just the inciting incident. Yeah, and we'll of get we'll get into it a little bit later. But you're absolutely right. It is just a plot point, and um, and yeah, that it was obviously to sell, and they obviously have been using the best twist in years, like on social media marketing, to sell the movie, which is crazy. But you know, you know, critics are going to smell this miles away because we have seen dozens of movies in screenings that have had twists in them yeah. far bigger than this. And it hasn't, I mean, it ha- they've kept them. I mean, it's, it's silly to, yeah. to do that. And it's silly to do that in this day and age. I mean, people that are going to go see this, that we're going to go see this movie on Friday. There's millions of people that are going to leak it anyway. You know what I mean? Right. You can't, you can't hide a twist anymore. Well, and, and I know a lot of people like to say that we're spoiled by getting to see movies for free early like that. But Part of those, we're the only a tiny part of those screenings. The general public is there with the critics while yeah. we screen this, mm-hmm. and that word of mouth, word of mouth, is what helps sell the movie. Right? You know that people like, hey, I saw this movie and it's great. Right. And especially in the day of social social media, you can post on Facebook, yeah, I got to see No Good Deed early and I loved it, or I got right. to see whatever, and it sucked. But and people are gonna say that in the hundred and forty characters that they have, yeah, uh, in Twitter, like I saw No Good Deed. Can't believe the twist. I can't believe such and such happened. Right. Yeah. That's it. And it's going to be all over everywhere. So, and, and honestly, if they're pulling, if they're pulling the screenings because of the Ray Rice thing, I have no problem with that. Yeah, actually. me neither. Me I neither. think I think that's a, probably a smart move. Yeah. On their part, but to make up an excuse for it, uh, and on, and not only that, but to make up an excuse that is self-serving in order to try to build exactly. Up, that's the. It's just. It's just a bad move on the part of screen. You know, we've seen other movies do this. I guess further in advance. Uh, the most recent I can think of was Gangster Squad. Yeah. That uh, was pulled. Uh, was pulled from a holiday release. Mm-hmm. Or what was it? No, a late. Was it a late summer release? No, no, it was during the holidays. The holiday release. Yeah, because uh, it had a scene in it that where a shootout occurred in a movie theater right after the Aurora, Colorado. Uh, shootings at the the Dark Knight Rises screening. Mm-hmm. So I understood that uh, the movie, I don't think, suffered for it. It was a bad movie anyway. But uh, this movie, yeah, I mean, say, hey, you know, this is a little too, it's a little too close to home right now. Maybe not. Maybe maybe don't screen it right now. Right. Or just go through with it and live with it. Because yeah. it's, it's coming out this week anyway. They're not pulling the release. Right, right. It's also like what, what happened with... Um... The Let's Be Cops. What happened with Let's Be Cops? People were people were saying that Let's Be Cops uh, came out the week of the Ferguson oh, that's right. thing, and people were like, "This is very poorly timed." Uh, but yeah, but there what was were you also saying? there was also the one with the the night the watch. Remember the watch? Oh, oh yeah, that came out during the, the George time. Zimmerman and they re- and Martin. they renamed it. It was Neighborhood, Neighborhood Watch. Neighborhood Watch. They just changed it to Watch. Yeah. Even though it didn't have anything to do with really, I mean, it was an alien movie, so right. But then um, words, neighborhood watch, right? Yeah. So that came out, that, and then, but then re- more recently, it was uh, with a TV show with the uh, what is it, the Headless Horseman TV show? Oh yeah, oh, this happened God. a couple weeks ago. They had a, they were doing a Sleepy Hollow, uh, a Sleepy Hollow. It was, it was a, um, it was a planned out in advance uh, marketing campaign, and it was that it was the hashtag was Headless Day, I think, mm-hmm. and it was. And uh, and the email was sent out the same morning as it was in uh, as one of the yeah one, one of, of the, the journalists American journalists was, was beheaded by, by ISIS. ISIS. Gosh, you know, just talk about bad timing. Yeah. But at, at least the you know the studio or the network came out and said that 
we're sorry. Like we, yeah. this is just bad timing. Totally. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of those situations where you don't blame the studio for kind of for for doing this, but like we've been saying, it's just like right, right. Things own like up this, it. it's, right. it's okay. Like we're okay with that. Yeah, things like that are going to happen. I mean, not all the time, but every so often, something like that's going to happen. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I know you've got this movie to sell, and you don't want it tainted by outside events that are terrible. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Stop with the stop with the excuses. Like mm-hmm. just just tell us your your like. Hey, this is sensitive. This is an ugly movie about brutal violence towards women in a week where you know <laughs> we saw it firsthand mm-hmm. and saw people kind of defend it. Some people I mean, it's did, just yeah. it's just an ugly situation all around. Well, yeah. let's talk about the movie because the brutal violence of it. I mean, is just the least of its problems. I guess. I mean, yeah. the brutal violence is. First of all, it's gratuitous to the point where, I mean, it doesn't make a difference. You know, people are I, – I think it's funny when some a movie like this comes out and they start talking about how strong the woman was. Like, at least she fought back yeah. type of thing. And I hate that because, I mean, in this movie, uh, that that really doesn't happen at all. I mean, basically, Tar- Taraji P. Henson is like a rag doll in this movie. She gets thrown around mm-hmm. like just – I mean, it's upsetting at, at points where it's just like I can't believe they're they, they're considering something like this as a you know a well, entertainment. And then um, I don't know what the the through line of uh, Idris Elba's character is supposed to be, but you we meet him and he's at a parole hearing with this incredibly specific news story going on in the <laughs> yeah. background detailing his crimes, and the crime he's in jail for is manslaughter mm-hmm. because he killed a guy at a bar fight who was looking at his girlfriend yeah cross-eyed or something but the movie hints that he may be responsible for five other murders of young women right and i kind of got this the note that it wanted to play him as a sympathetic character there at the beginning that he was a wrongly convicted guy for for a very brief moment i think and and they did away with that fairly quickly yeah um Um, yeah but then because you know he's at a parole hearing and He's denied parole because some one of the members of the, I guess, parole board brings up the fact that he's under suspicion for killing these five other women. So he's sent back to prison. And it kind of feels like the movie wants you to think that that's a wrong decision. Yeah, like he was wrongfully accused. Yeah, that yeah. Thing. right. And then he immediately kills two guards and escapes. <laughs> and I think... And- <laughs> beats his- Yeah, I think that you're right. They showed him as kind of this sympathetic character. And then right away... <laughs> No, they showed him as a heartless because he even kills uh, the one guard that's nice to him. Yeah. You know? yeah. So they want to show that like we're we're in for this monster kind of yeah. type character that's that has no conscience. So I think I think a, a you know there are two major problems I can think of. The first being, you know, it's 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 portrayal of violence against women is it's like I said it's pretty severe, and I think that um, this is kind of an ugly movie a little bit all around mm-hmm. because. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like treating domestic violence with more violence is what it all kind of boils down to, right. which is kind of a terrible message all around. And it's it's just, you know, it's brutal. Uh, yeah. I mean, misogyny is always going to be part of certain movies. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, people just use that as a, you know, a theme in some of their films. I mean, look at like um, the Antichrist director. Um, Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier. Oh, yeah. I mean, but he's doing it in a way that is 
kind of like thematically different and because he the, he's more like commenting on it than right and like I, using it as the tool that drives the film right exactly and in this it just feels you're right it felt like really dirty yeah it, it does like very dirty and, yeah. and then you get like really gross moments where uh taraji p henson's character is basically attracted to him yeah that's another thing that really yeah. bothered me. Yeah. Well, in the in the the in the 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 character of Leslie Bibb that has who's just like <sighs> the slutty like, like ooh, what's his number? Yeah, yeah. I thought I knew all the what is all the hot single guys in the area. It's like shut up, like <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we get it, we get it. You're a you're you're yeah. you're a trollop. <laughs> That's a, but yeah, the, you know, there's scenes where because uh, I mean it's. Do we want to spoil or anything? Uh, well, yeah. Well, well, let's spoil. Let's, let's go into spoiler zone because I'm I'm going to spoil this movie. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Yeah. Now entering the spoiler zone to avoid spoilers. Fast forward to one hour and fifty five seconds. Now, now the reason I want to spoil this is because, like, we're talking about self serving. This is there's no twist in this movie, so I yeah. want to tell people if you're going into just thinking that there's just going to be this amazing, you know, crying game, six cents. Yeah. Yeah. Usual suspects twist. You're not gonna get it. So and it's it's not only is it not that, but it's not shocking. It's fairly it's, obvious. Well, like I said, it's the inciting incident for the plot. It's right, not exactly. A twist. Yeah. So it's telegraphed fairly early in the movie. Right, right. So how do we want to do this? Do we just want to? Okay, we'll, we'll kind of describe. Okay, we'll describe the. I'll I'll try to describe it as concisely as possible, in that. Idris Elba escapes from prison and he goes directly to the house of his ex-girlfriend or ex-fiance, excuse me. And she's scared and basically uh, he questions her about being with someone else. Um, uh, He suspects that it was someone that he saw meeting with her, which was her gym instructor who was apparently gay, according to his ex-fiance. And he brings out a note. It says something like, I didn't want to wake you when you were sleeping. You look so beautiful or something. Yeah. And he murders her. And then... Um, yeah, she admits that she's been sleeping with somebody. Yeah. And he murders her. And he murders her. And like, then... brutally yeah, murders brutally her. brutally murders her, like with a lamp, I think. And uh, and so he drives... He steals a car. He crashes his car and then walks up to Taraji P. Henson's house, whose husband is away. It's his dad's birthday, Cody. It's his dad's birthday, and they're going on a golf trip. This is my father's birthday, Cody. <laughs> he's all in, he's super indignant about. And by the way, it is clear from the opening scene that he is cheating on her, like and I abundantly mean, clear. And I mean, in that like Tyler Perry mindset yeah. of like this is an evil black man, yeah. like cheating on a who's on not a, yeah, yeah. I mean, his beautiful wife, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. I mean, he's just the blandest, yeah, a very bland character. Yeah. And so anyway... It's my dad's birthday. And I have to go and I can't see you and I... Like whatever. That, that's his indignation about it. Like, yeah. it's my, like I, my dad doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it's my dad's birthday. Like, oh, okay. Happy birthday, dad. Let's go eat dinner. You know? <laughs> yeah. So then, so then he shows up at the doorstep and then nothing happens for like 45 minutes. And then... And, and oh, yeah. I wanted to mention that. Yeah. We saw this at Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Uh, which they have a great special going on. Yeah, right they now, have a way, special. In San Antonio. Yeah. $10 for... A pizza, popcorn, and a soda, which and, is an amazing deal. And, un- food. and unlimited refills on the on the uh, the drinks and the popcorn. Yeah, nice. Uh, nice. So anyway, when, when he gets to the door, though, I mean, this uh, Taraji P. Henson's character is supposed to be like this, you know, 
lawyer. Or, no, what is oh, she she's a, a former prosecutor Prosecu- who specialized in cases that get about violence against women. She's a smart woman, and she does the stupidest thing ever. Yep. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Well, it, but it's it, the attraction factor. Right, exactly. It's uh, insulting. Yeah, it's like, because he's because right. Idris Elba's a handsome man. So he's gonna, she's going to let him in from the rain to make a phone call because he crashed his car. Like, mm, I don't know if I And he doesn't have in. a cell phone because he left it at home. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, where were we? Oh, uh, oh, but that's what we were saying. Yeah. Nothing happened. We mentioned, you mentioned this yesterday. Yeah. Nothing happened. He gets nothing in. was happening, and they came and did last call for food and stuff at the Alamo Draft House, and nothing, nothing. had fucking happened yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so last call comes by, and we're still like, wait, this movie's almost over? Nothing has happened yet. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? And so really nothing nothing really – I mean, honestly, nothing happens of, of consequence. Yeah, he gets into the house, and there's like this weird tone between them. They're flirty. Yeah. Like it's flirty, and and, and Leslie then, Bibb's character comes over and is morally – is flirty – even yeah. more. And then brutally murdered with a shovel, Leslie yeah. Bibb's character. Again, brutal violence with an object. In any way, uh, he kind of forces her to, to go into uh, – to get into her car, and they're going back to, to, to an undetermined destination that we don't know. Is there any, oh, is there no. any reason why he's moving, making a move everywhere? No. Like, remember uh, – <clears throat> sorry. Going back – there's no – no, there's no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back – she smacks him with a fire extinguisher <laughs> and spray. Or no, she hits him with a fire extinguisher, yeah. like sprays him with a fire extinguisher, smashes him in the head, and then he just gets up. And then but, in a really, s- but hold on, hold on, <laughs> a fire extinguisher that is just conveniently pla- conveniently placed upstairs against a wall, well, that, like not in a kitchen fire, or anything. The fire department recommends that, Cody. Oh, do they? <laughs> uh, no, but and then she smacks him, and she, he, I can't remember what he regains control, and then in a like a, another sick ass scene. He makes her stand in the shower yeah. with him while he's naked and showering the yeah. fire extinguisher stuff off. And it's just fucking sick. I like agree with you, Cody. That, that, the fire extinguisher just messed the whole feng <laughs> of the apartment, of the house. I mean, it know? obviously didn't fit there. I mean. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, and he makes her change clothes yeah. and watches her. And it's just sick. Like, it's just, ugh. Yeah, and... and um. Yeah, and and uh, what was I gonna? I, I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> he makes her, uh, and she has two. She yeah. has a an infant. Yeah, and a, a I don't know a two year old, three year old girl. Yeah, and, and he, also all the while he gets stabbed like thirty times. And I he, thought he got shot when he robbed when he broke out of the arm the prison bus or whatever. It I don't was. I don't remember. I thought he got shot because I thought he, it looked like he got shot in the gut. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, so he takes her. Uh, they go and and he drives her back or makes her drive back with her kids to his ex fiance's house. Kills and, a cop on the way. Yeah, and there was and there was a cop on the way. She she fa- she called via fax at one point to a cop. Uh, <laughs> but um, because the cops are the cops have found his wrecked car. Yeah, and are investigating. Yeah, and she flashes her lights at a cop. Yeah, and, and he's like the worst cop ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they get to the house. She finds the murdered uh, ex-fiance, and then she's tied up while he tries to fix a car alarm that's going off because of a storm. Her car, it's been established her car alarm goes off when, I guess, it thunders. Yeah. She should really have it checked yeah. out. And so so short somewhere. <laughs> she finds a ringing cell phone, and she calls – or she answers the phone. Under the bed. Under the bed. Next to the dead body. It's the dead woman's cell phone. Yeah, it's the, the dead, dead woman's cell phone. cell phone. And it's Here her, comes the twist. Her husband. Oh, oh 
It's her husband. The one that's wait, wait, the husband that's supposed to be on the golf trip. It's yeah. her dad's birthday, Kiko. <laughs> She's cheating. The dead woman is cheating. The dead woman was cheating with Taraji P. Well, the dead woman's not cheating because she was uh, dead. Dead. But she was <laughs> no, well, because because she had broken up with Idris Elba. Yeah. So she was the other woman. Yeah, she was the other one. The the husband's the one that's cheating. Um, but yeah, uh, and that's the big twist. And um, straight out of uh, 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 as the world turns. So yeah. so the idea is he didn't randomly stumble upon her house. Right. He was targeting because the note was written on the back of a piece of his mail. Yes. And so he was getting revenge on this husband by going to the wife's house. And that's, but I guess I thought. Was it implied that he was waiting for the husband? Like he was there to kill the husband? Or was he just... He couldn't have possibly known that he was out of town. Yeah, I think he just wanted to show up and... I don't know. But that's not a twist. Right. It's It's just the plot. Yeah. Like it's just why. And and again, like we said, it's obvious. It's very obvious. Um, At first I thought the husband was cheating with Leslie Bibb's character. Yeah, and then at one point... Because I mentioned that to you. At at one point I turned to Jared and I said, about halfway through, and I'm like, what do you think the plot twist is? And I said something like, I I think the husband is in on it somehow, is what I said. So, yeah. It's it's just terrible. (laughs) And it's... And And you know the funny part is, the theater we were in, some people go, ooh. And and I mean, it's... It is a... Like who cares? It's not a it's not a twist, but it is a like oh kind of moment. And if and if you're invested in the movie, I think a lot of people were invested. Uh, maybe they. I mean, it's we've talked about this how people like movies that critics hate anyway. But it is one of those moments where you're watching where you're like oh, and it all kind of I don't know makes sense is the right word, but it all comes together for some people. I I can understand the reaction is what I'm saying. But I mean, as soon as that phone rings, you know. Who it's going to be? I mean, it's it's not like shocking. And I mean, I thought it was a bill collector actually. <laughs> I mean, she's been dead for I guess at least twelve hours at this point. Uh, probably somewhere in the morning <laughs> until late at night. Yeah, because he uh, he is like, hey, I'm at the hotel. Where are you? Yeah, but if if they're trying to portray, you know, the strength of women, why go this route? Why go the violent route? It's well, and it kind of feels. To me, like the movie wanted to justify the his, violence? his yeah his rage a little bit, like it wanted to like oh he's just getting after this guy that she his woman left him for, mm-hmm. and it feels it feels to me like the movie wants you to think that I don't know if it did for either of you, but it feel like it feels like it wants to give some justification to this guy other than he's just a what do they call him? Malignant narcissist? Min- yeah, malignant narcissist. Which apparently is the same diagnosis given to Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, yeah, they really hammer that point. <laughs> yeah. And he starts to have these like flashbacks to killing. It's, it's never really laid out, I think, firmly that this guy is nuts. Yeah, he's a psychopath. It seems more like it's a crime of passion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and for some... Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because... You know, we don't, you know, it, I don't think they fully try to justify him as a jilted lover, but um, they definitely try to say, oh, here's why this guy's like this. And you're yeah. like, no, he's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, because the only thing he's ever been caught for was killing that guy. Killing the guy. Involuntary manslaughter, right? Yeah. Is what they called mm-hmm. it. And, but then, oh, we think he did all these other murders. And yeah. that's never touched on again. No, it isn't. So, yeah, it's. 
It's just an ugly movie. It's um, and for somebody like Taraji P Henson, who's Oscar nominated, yeah, and Idris Elba, who, I love Idris Elba. Who was great as uh, Nelson Mandela in the last movie. I, I loved mean, I, the movie. I didn't like the movie, but he was good. Um, what, what did you love him in? I, well, uh, Pacific Rim. I thought he was. Oh fun. right, and right. then uh, he's a great actor. His his guest uh, stint on The Office. Yeah, uh, as a. Charles Charles Minor, kind of a no nonsense <laughs> boss. He was great. Just, so I mean, these are two very competent uh, act, actors that just who were are, ex- are really really and really s- neat. they were executive producers on this. Too. Yeah, and and honestly, you can't really fault them because none neither of them are bad in this movie. I mean, it's their performances are fine. I don't have a problem. I didn't think that anyone was overacting or anything like that. I don't think the problems are in the performances. No, no, not yeah. at all. I mean, just the the script totally was. Just mind numbing, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, and I think the 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 kind of muddiness of his motivation. I know we I've talked about this a bunch of times, but it just seems it just seems really terribly misguided to yeah. me. Yeah, and you know what? There are you know I I think to a certain point that it is important to um to uh to portray domestic violence and show what it's really like to go through. Um, oh yeah, not to and, say. I mean, there's going to be movies where yeah. a woman gets hit. I mean, we're, we're not saying that that shouldn't happen in any movie because yeah, it's and, just going to. I mean, that's some, that's a something that will happen. I mean, and I won't get into it much because it's irrelevant. But I've worked in my professional life in that area a little bit, and I think it's important for people to see, you know, what exactly women go through who are in these situations and the terror of it, and you know. It reminded me, Kiko, I don't remember, did you see all of the Oscar-nominated shorts last year? Because there was one called, um, the the English title was uh, uh, Just Before Losing Everything. Mm-mm, I didn't get a chance to see that one. It is, uh, it's a short film. I think it's like half an hour long. It was nominated, but it didn't win. But it was a really unsettling movie about a woman who is escaping her abusive husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really powerful, and it's a really kind of accurate look at what that situation is like. Um, and uh, and it's it's really worth like if you want to see like a really well done uh, kind of story about that situation, check that out. It's a French short film called Just Before Losing Everything. And I think that I, I I don't think that this movie tried to say anything about domestic violence, which is obviously, you know, because of this week, a really important topic. Did, did either of you feel like it overly demonized cheating? Not that cheating is a good thing or even an acceptable thing, but the woman, the ex-girlfriend's crime for cheat or for, uh, punishment for cheating was death. Yeah. And, uh, and, and basically, uh, uh, but again, cheating is respe- cheating is responsible for this whole thing. But again, like you said, it wasn't really her cheating, but it was well, right. Uh, it her, was, her crime for being part of an affair, yeah. was death. Her punishment for being part of an affair was death. Yeah, and uh, uh, but it, I mean, but again, like it doesn't like you. They, they show a man who is very violent towards women, uh, and and he, I mean, he brutalizes women several times in this movie. And all you have to say about him is, well, hopefully you can get the upper hand and kill him. Like that's, yeah, exactly, that's yeah. the message of maybe, the movie. Maybe you can stab him and grab his gun and shoot him eight times. Or... Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just misguided completely. And yeah. that, yeah, that, that uh, 
a police officer just doesn't immediately recognize the yeah like and he and he just makes the situation entirely unsafe you know step out of the car and yeah or the fact that i mean i the somebody should have told the uh ex-girlfriend that he was he had escaped i don't know how long it took and, and yeah, it was not on the news or yeah and shouldn't yeah shouldn't taraji p henson know that there shouldn't you know it's it's like one state over it's tennessee and i think she's in atlanta yeah you know shouldn't they know that hey there's an apb out for this fucking murderer <laughs> yeah and you know? she's and, too busy watching that kid show what, what, i can't remember what they oh, called it was it. uh it was uh <laughs> something pups or something dogs Dino, spy dogs spy, spy pups or something well, like not that. only that but when the, when the cop pulls pulls them over in the car he's like i hope the apb hasn't reached uh, across state lines it's like of course it has like <laughs> you're a, an escaped murderer it's the fucking like we're in the 21st century yeah like, yeah it immediately went out like it's on twitter yeah like a prison break is going to make the news i think but and, yeah and, and how much time had passed at least hours it, it, but it, at least a day yeah right at least it had to have been yeah at least a full day because it was nighttime and you would know like because he was able to steal a car and get to Atlanta, yeah. I guess from he was in Tennessee somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Let's get out of the spoiler zone. Yeah, let's do this. Now leaving the spoiler zone. So, bottom line, we don't recommend this at all. No, no. not at all. Yeah, it's bad, uh, bad, bad, bad. Taraji P Henson and Idris Elba don't make these movies anymore. Yeah, just an ugly, ugly movie. Not recommended. One no, bit. not at all. All right, let's move on to our next movie, the one I love. Hey. Good morning, Hanson. Oh, well, I'm hungover. <laughs> well, then it sounds like you need some breakfast. Not that we need to get back into it, um, but that was a little bit of a weird fight last night. I know. I don't really understand what happened, but I feel like maybe we just talk it up to like some bad pot alcohol <laughs> combo, put it behind us and not let it ruin the trip. Agreed. Totally. Cool. That being said, it was one of the weirder fights we've had. Like, Oh, my God, I know. Crazy, right? I mean, right? I, I still don't fully understand whether you were so drunk and stoned that you thought we had sex or were you just making a joke and it backfired? Honestly, I think it was just one of those things. All right, the one I love is about a couple who escapes for a weekend in pursuit of their better selves only to discover an unusual dilemma that awaits them. That's very vague. <laughs> and it kind of has to be yeah. because... Uh, this movie has a kind of. This is a real surprise. Yeah, this is the real twist yeah. of the well, week. You want to? Like, we, we well, might... and not only that, but just before we get into it, it is a twist that it's it's not as much of a twist as it is. If you talk about the plot at all, you're going to get into spoiler territory. Right. This isn't a this isn't a twist that happens in the climax of the movie like yeah. most people think about twists. This happens and sets up the entire movie. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I mean. You want to get into the spoiler zone yeah, already? Go ahead and turn it on. Now entering the spoiler zone. To avoid spoilers, fast forward to... One hour, 16 minutes, and 10 seconds. So the gist of the plot is uh, Mark Duplass and... Um, I'm forgetting her Elizabeth name. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss, thank you. Are a married couple who's kind of hit a... I guess, uh, what would you call it? Like a rough a, patch. A, a rough patch. <laughs> uh, they're trying to recapture the fun in their marriage. So they go see a marriage counselor... Ted Danson, who recommends that they <laughs> visit this, uh, what is it? Like a, it's like a, a retreat, like a, a couple's a, retreat. Yeah. A couple's retreat at this house, this beautiful house <clears throat> that also has a guest house. And as they're exploring the property, 
you know, they they go into this guest house and they each have experiences with one another that the other one doesn't remember in the guest house. Right? Is that a good setup for this? I yeah yeah. I mean, uh, like they like Elizabeth Moss's character. Uh, has great sex with well, Mark Duplass. At a, well, at first it appears to be some sort of alternate universe. Inside the guest inside house. Inside the guest house. Right. So basically when one of them, and they have to go in one at a time, when one of them goes in, they get some sort of alternate version of their spouse who is kind of more of the ideal version of their partner. Right. They don't. They don't realize this at first. At first, they right. think the other is lying to the other. Right. Exactly. So they have they have a an experience that is not shared. So like they think that they they don't realize that they're dealing with an alternate version at first. They just think that it's going really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as the as the plot progresses, you find out that there are indeed other versions. Yes. Of each of them. <clears throat> other human forms. Right. There's doubles, and they then they. About halfway through the movie, they they all meet up and have a dinner party, I guess, yeah. and and they talk about what's going on. <laughs> well, let's make sure people know that they find out that there's other versions of themselves, other people in this guest house, pretty early on. Yeah, and, and it, it happens in the first what half hour. And yeah. uh, and <clears throat> Elizabeth Moss is her character is it's apparent she vastly prefers the mm-hmm. the Mark Duplass that's in the guest house. Yeah, and starts to fall in love with him. Yeah. Right. And and then the actual Mark Duplass character is kind of like losing his grip on his wife essentially to this version Ideal, version idealized that, version of him. But the, but it's an idealized version that they're not sure for a while if it's real. Like they they they're kind of like, well, we know that there's a physical being in there, but is it like an alternate dimension? Is it like twilight zone stuff going on? Right. And you don't you don't know towards a little bit later in the movie what it actually is. You don't really ever find out though, do you? Yeah, you do. I, I mean how, yeah. really it's, do you? I don't know. It's not specific though. Well, no, I I mean it's it's I mean I think it's fairly specific. It's you know, it's it's another couple that was in there previously who, you know, they talk about how and this is getting really inside the plot, but they talk about how um, they are sent in to get in between uh, the couple that comes in, and then once they break them up, they assume their lives, and the couple that was in there is stuck in the house then, and they have to become another couple. See, but, I didn't but see, but see, it I, doesn't ever explain. <clears throat> it doesn't ever explain like why they look like them, why they because they don't have all their memories. Yeah, but they have they have vocal training. To sound like them, but they don't explain how they look like them, which is why... Yeah, there's like a recording booth in this yeah. guest house. Which is right. why it, it's one of those things where I actually really, really like this plot, and I watched it twice to get the full effect. And don't make fun of me, because I know that Kiko did as well. So, um, But it's I really like this plot. I think it's really smart. But the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. So like, don't <clears throat> dive too deep into it. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that they don't really ever explain it. Like, it's just... it's. Here's what's happening. This is why. This is yeah. Why it's happening. Right. Quotes. It's, a, it's a whole magic realism type stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it's you can like, jump on board or not. I mean, it reminds you, me of like being John Malkovich. Like, why is this happening? Just because there's a to- yeah. portal to his head. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, no. I, yeah. I get. I, I get that. I mean, I, I think that when they are, um, uh, when Elizabeth Moss and uh, Mark Duplass are doing these one-on-one interactions with their better selves, uh, it's pretty interesting. As soon as it turns into a foursome. 
it gets really messy. I, I think that it kind of starts going downhill from there yeah. just because they don't really know what to do with that story. And uh, see, I, I kind of, I kind of felt that way the first time I watched it, but the second time I actually like those dynamics because I like, I like the idea of alternate Mark Duplass just being a dick. No, no. You know what? I like, I'll, I'll take that a little, I'll, I'll backtrack on that a little bit. I do like the fact that Mark Duplass is jealous of his, yeah. Yeah, of his perfect self. Well, and not that, but the perfect self is really like digging into him. Right. I like that interaction, but I don't know. It's it was something when every all four of them were together, and they were trying to figure things out that just got a little. I too, I agree. Too much. Like, and you never really quite understand what. Like Mark Duplass never really develops any kind of relationship with the alternate Elizabeth that, Moss. That was one thing that was very underdeveloped. Absolutely. Because he he figures it out and he asks her, you know, what's going on with you. Are you real? Right. And then she's kind of silent. And she she never really develops anything past being upset that her Mark Duplass is falling in love with. Is that why she's being kind of a jerk to the real Elizabeth Moss? Remember that scene where they're they're washing the dishes? Washing dishes? Yeah. Because she sees it, she's stealing. Because I mean, they were not always that. They used to be a couple together. Right. That went to the retreat, and then they were their lives were taken away from them. So now they're becoming Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss, and she's losing her husband to the real Elizabeth Moss. But yeah, and there's no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just that that part, those scenes. And like you said, if you start to think about it, even at all, it, yeah. it all kind <laughs> of unravels. Yeah. You're like, what's Ted Danson's role in this? Because it, it becomes obvious that. That they're not real, like they're not like magical other versions yeah. of them. They're people that are trying to find details out, and they call like he calls his mom yeah. or Mark Duplass's double calls Mark Duplass's mom and his yeah, friends. Yeah, they basically become these other people and live out the rest of their lives, presumably as these other people. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so like you that, know, so is that a twist inside the twist? I guess I guess that could be. Yeah, and and you know you. Like you said, like I said, it starts to unravel a little bit. I mean, you're like, how did nobody figure this out yet? Because there's dozens of files on the computer that this has happened to people, um, and also how you know how did they your faces change? But you know, yeah. um, as a movie itself, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting um, take on a. I don't know if I'd call it a romantic comedy, but it kind of is. Um, it's like a really kind of surrealist look at uh, at a you know, trying to save a marriage. There, there is some honesty in it, you know, in the, uh-huh. in the fact that, uh, I think the opening scene where they talk about, you know, when they first started dating, they snuck into somebody's house, uh, and started swimming and they didn't think the guy was home and he came out and caught him. So they, they try to recapture that. Yeah. This exhilarating type and, feeling. And, they wanted that. Back. And nobody yells at them and yeah. it, it ruins the moment. I yeah. think that's pretty honest, you know, for a long-term relationship. Any, there's always a, a point where, you know the the first blush of romance is going to fade away, and mm-hmm. you're going to be like, "Well, shit, how do we recapture it?" Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, my choice wouldn't be to find a double of myself, <laughs> which uh, is uh, it's it's weird. I think you think about it, like why do they like Mark Duplass tricks Elizabeth Moss in the one scene where he's leaving for the store, and he sneaks in to replace. The uh, double. Great scene, by the way. I, yeah. I love that plot line. And it uh, it kind of is brutally honest to him and it wakes him up. And I think those are real nice moments. I, mm-hmm. I think it is kind of messy and it does get kind of not boring to me. I didn't get bored, 
but it got a little I got a little fatigued. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end, I mean, again, I had a big problem with the with the foursome um, when that when that happened. But I think it says a lot. I mean, it's t- it gives a lot of good ideas about, you know, the relation relationships and how, you know, it does get tedious after a while. And, you know, you have to try to sp- spice things up and, th- yeah. and things like that. So I think that was it had a lot to say when it came to, I, you know, trying to, you know, rekindle that kind of relationship and romance. I also think that it kind of uh, fumbles the ending a little bit because I think the ending is fairly telegraphed and fairly obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, you even know what the last line from you know from one of the characters is going to be as soon as as yeah. you know as soon as you see the beginning of the scene so I, I think that's fairly obvious um i don't think I, I i didn't get bored during it i think that the first half is definitely better than the second half um but uh i also think that the second half has some really interesting stuff where they have to finally confront this this thing because the whole time that it's, it's kind of building and building and building and then when they all meet together, they have to confront what's going on. And uh, as they confront it, it's really interesting to see the real Mark Duplass deal with the fact that he's losing his wife to basically himself, an idealized version of himself. I, you know, and I think maybe my problem is it stayed a little too low key during that foursome. Like it never yeah. really like it escalates into kind of a little wussy fight at one point. Yeah, but I think it stayed too. Indie style, low key. If that makes I can, sense, I can see that argument. I could see what you're saying. Because, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to change topics or something. No, else. go ahead. I'm. I was just going to. Well, I wanted to know else. at the beginning because Cody has his master's in counseling <laughs> with the Ted Danson character. Yeah. W- w- and I'm sure I'm right when I say this, but it was making fun of like his profession when he was making him do those certain things, like, like the play the piano, play the piano, piano. like the harmony thing? Or is that something that really counselors really do? Uh, most <laughs> most counselors don't have a piano in their office. So, <laughs> but uh, that's just, that seemed like a really like it's a, made up type um, yeah, I mean, exercise. I could a, see so I could see it happening. I mean, maybe with a progressive person who uses eclectic techniques, but <laughs> yeah. Because they they he makes them okay each of you hit a key and it was a dissonant sound that yeah. they made so like oh see that's not good yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're not on the same page here yeah, yeah. i thought that was funny yeah but i'm again i mean I, it's you know i think i've made it well known on this podcast before that i love mark duplass as an actor i think he's a really underrated actor yeah he's great it, it was again, nice to see great. him awake in this movie after seeing and last tammy, tammy yeah. where he's just like i'm just here yeah. but he's he's great in this type of movie when he can where it's low key, where it's a small cast, and where he can really kind of—he's—he's he's got a way of acting that is so naturalistic. Like you really like the way he delivers his lines, if they're even lines. I mean, mm-hmm. and in a lot of the stuff he does, it's improvised, but it's a very naturalistic dialogue that he always has. And um, I would have liked to seen him, like I said, a little more amped up uh, when the, when yeah. it finally all comes to a head. I think. It's it's more passive aggressive yeah. than anything else. My my mind immediately springs to somebody like Jason Bateman, who can play that sort of dis- yeah. like uh, like flabbergasted, well, calm, Mark, that explodes. Mark Duplass can do that, and he does so. And like your sister, sister, he actually plays that part that you're mm-hmm. describing almost to a T. So he can do that. I don't know why they didn't do it here. Um, 
but they're, yeah, they're both great. I mean, him yeah. and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss, Moss are, really are good. Because yeah. they're playing double roles essentially. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're the yeah. only people in it other than Ted Danson for a and, small period and of time. Really well done effects too, by the way, for a low budget. Mm-hmm. I assume low budget. I don't know, but really well done. Um, I mean, I kind of marvel that the. The fact that it looks like it's handheld camera work mm-hmm. when they're showing the doubles, which is really hard to do. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of motion control, I guess. Yeah, and you never you never question the fact that it you, never looks fake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah, it definitely well done in that aspect, and you know, but but it goes beyond just the trickery of like filming someone from behind their head and using a different actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like it, like you actually see them all in the same scene. Yeah, all four of them. All four of them spread out. Uh, and it's really well done yeah. in that aspect. So yeah, um, you want to get out of the spoiler zone? And sure, okay. yes, sir. Now leaving the spoiler zone. So uh, definitely don't uh, don't go into this. Just avoid everything you can. It's it just don't read anything. Don't don't listen don't, to the last thirty minutes yeah. of us talking. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also uh, this movie is not only out in theaters, but it's on VOD. It's on iTunes. Uh, it's on all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I saw it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, so you can buy buy this movie. Spend the seven bucks it takes or whatever to rent it uh, in your in your home if you and uh, you know it's it's just a it's it's a really smart brainy kind of uh, take on this romance story that I thought is executed really well. It's not it's not perfect. It's not completely well done and there are some, you know, some up and there's some ups and downs, some peaks and valleys, but overall, I actually like this movie quite a bit. I did too. Um I think that uh, Moss and Duplass, Moss and Duplass are really good in it's it. A law firm. Dupa- <laughs> Dupmas. <laughs> I think they're really good in it. Um man, I I'm I'm with you. I think Duplass can do some great things uh, if he's given the the right content or the right script. Um, and I really like what he was saying about uh, uh, relationships. I, 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 and I like the creepy, creepy vibe of it. I, 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 the music is also the music awesome. Is great. Oh yeah. Movie. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend it. Definitely. I recommend it too. I don't strong as I don't as recommend it as strongly as I would like to. Um, we discussed in the spoiler zone. I don't know if you want to listen, but I, I think it, it uh, stayed a little too low key for my tastes. Um, especially when kind of the, the third act kicks in. Uh, but I recommend it. I think it's uh, definitely worth your time. All right, that does it for reviews. Let's move on to our last segment. Listless bang bang. In the spirit of movies with twists, either good, such as the one I love, or stupid and pointless, like No Good Deed, <laughs> we're going to uh, be giving the list of, what is this? This is our list of, I guess we'll just do bad Movie twists. Bad movie twists. Uh, like No Good Deed, we had a movie that didn't really have a twist, but it's being marketed as a twist. I think for re- as, as we talked about, for reasons other than the fact that it's a twist. Uh, let's see. Cody, do you have your list ready to go? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with some more recent stuff that uh, because you know they're in the most forefront. Uh, one of the really bad twists, and we talked about this uh, on this podcast, was the twist in third person uh, with uh, having to do with Olivia Wilde and her character. Uh, are we going to spoil? No, I don't think we need to get in a spoiler okay. zone for this. These, just keep in mind, these are we're talking about the twists in movies, so these are going to be spoilers. Yeah. So if you don't want to listen, yeah. you know, like if you, hear, if you hear us say a movie title that you haven't seen yet, just go la-la-la-la and plug your ears. Yeah. And, 
anyway, um, the, the the twist in in uh, in um, in third person is so it, it's not only a terrible twist, but the way it's executed is just like. It, it is so hilarious how it's executed. I haven't seen this movie. I yeah. don't remember what it's a, what. What's the gist of this movie? The oh, Jesus Christ! No, let's not talk about. Oh this. no, this is the this is the Liam Neeson. <laughs> yes. uh, okay, I got you. the Paul Haggis one. You're, you're right. Just Go give ahead. the twist and let's laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this already. You want me to give the twist? Yeah. Oh, the twist in this movie is that Olivia Wilde uh, is having an affair with her dad, with her <laughs> biological father. Hmm. And uh, it's done. Uh, it's done where she answers the phone, and it's clear that she's talking to someone she's in a relationship with. Uh, and she goes, "What does she? What does she say? Something like goodbye, daddy, or something on the <laughs> phone." And that's how it's revealed. Uh, just, oh, it's just stupid. Um, and another one I have is I don't think either of you saw this movie, but it's called Safe Haven. It's a Nicholas Sparks uh, movie with uh, Julianne Hough and Josh Dumal. Oh no, I didn't see that one. Um, I saw the one with Zac Efron. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't, don't they all the same? Yeah, but, I, but I, don't all of his movies have twists in them somehow? Oh, God. I don't remember if there was one in that one. What the heck was that one called? That's when I interviewed Nicholas Sparks for uh, this movie, um, the one with Zac Efron. Gosh darn it. What was it called? I don't know. He was a, like a, he was a war veteran, and he came back to... Oh, uh... He found a picture... Yeah. And he walked across the country, like walked to yeah. Louisiana. I don't to... remember what that movie was called, but I know what you're talking about. And uh, it was um, the, the, what's her name from Orange is the New Black? Oh, God. The actress? Yeah, the actress. The lead actress from Orange is the New Black. Taylor Schilling. Yeah. Oh, Taylor Schilling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the lucky one is what it's called. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Safe Haven, it's another Nicholas Sparks movie. Um, and again, I'm going to spoil this one because screw this movie. Um, <laughs> the movie's actually starts out okay, and then it just goes crazy. So basically, it's about a, a um, it's another domestic violence, oddly enough, movie where Julianne Huff is escaping a very violent ex, and she gets to this place. She meets a um, a, a guy who runs like a fishing shop, and it's Josh Dumal, and she has a new neighbor that she goes running with, and she's she goes running with him, and this neighbor's like, you really got to. You really got to be with this guy. He's he's a safe person to be with. She's she's kind of afraid to be with a man after being in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it, it and then in the most manipulative, god awful ending, it's revealed that the friend character, who's played by Kobe Smulders, is a ghost, <laughs> and she's been running and and and, and wait, well, hold on, she's been <laughs> she's been uh she's been running with and she's been communicating with this this ghost who's telling her to be with this guy. And not only is she a ghost, but she is the dead wife of the guy that she's dating now or that she's trying to be with. So the dead wife ghost is trying to convince this girl to be with her husband. And that's the It's really considerate. I mean, really, that's really a nice thing to do as a ghost. <laughs> I mean, because you could just be all, I'm going to haunt you. Yeah, and I have my... <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> I have my review open for this movie, and I described it as uh, what follows can only be described as manipulative, nonsensical, god-awful garbage, and that is putting it lightly is what I put. So uh, one of the dumbest endings that is like – it's like cry right now is like essentially what the what the writer is saying. Like, like, like it's like treating him like it's personal puppets. Just, it's, I just hate endings like that. They're like, we're going to make you cry. And we're gonna pull out all the stops, and it's just shameless. 
And um, <laughs> I didn't mind. Yeah. I didn't mind that in the Fault in Our Stars. That's pretty much all that. The second half of that movie was you're just gonna cry. It is, but when you when you put plot aside, just to be like, you know what? I guess I guess Fault in Our Stars didn't rely on a ghost wife. <laughs> so. Yeah, a ghost a ghost wife of the person you're dating. Yeah, didn't exactly do that. Um, I don't I don't really have a third. So. You guys can go. I mean, those are the those are the two that came to mind. This was this segment was thrown together in haste. So, well, yeah, in haste, like the the plot, like the screening was canceled. Of uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. Of, in, in honor of that. Well, one of mine, one of mine, and people are gonna uh, not agree with me on this. I and I think it's one of the most overrated plot twists. I hate it uh, so much, but people love it for some reason. Uh, is the plot twist in the f- original Saw? Uh, Why do you hate it? I just think it's silly. I mean, I didn't get, I didn't believe it. Once the guy stands up at the end of the movie, I just threw my hands back. I was like, ah, come on. Is that, so is that where the movie lost you, or was it because? No, it was no. Just... I mean, I just didn't. I no, I didn't care for the entire movie. Um, I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't agree either. I think. <sighs> See I, what I mean? I don't. I mean, I don't like uh, any of the Saw movies after the first one, and the first one I think is only okay. I kind of like the second one, but yeah, I don't remember anything about the second. It, one. They were in a house. They were trying to escape from a house, and which one has Michael Emerson? Is that the first one? Michael Emerson. Uh, uh, what's his name from Lost? Oh, Ben from Lost. Ben from Lost. I think he's in the, Is second, the first one. Or second one. Second one. They all run together. There's been like eight of them, so they all run together. I remember. I only remember the first one. It had uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Carrie Elways. Yeah. And Carrie Elways. And Potter. What's her name? Melissa Potter. Monica Potter. Monica Potter. That's right. I don't. I don't. They all run together after that first one, but I thought that was a. Pretty and don't get me. Story. I mean, again, it, I'm I'm in the minority in this, but I just I was not the, the twist. Into it. The twist is that the dead body that's in the bathroom with Carrie Elways and the entire they, time, the entire hour and forty five minutes of the movie is actually the killer uh, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, I thought I liked it. All right. Care. What's next? Uh, the second uh, twist that I don't like at all, even though I thought the movie was really really good um up to the last 10 minutes is uh m night shalamalama ding dongs uh signs Shyamalan. Shyamalan. no it's shamalama ding dong i'm pretty sure i'm right uh, <laughs> signs signs uh, uh, uh mel gibson joaquin phoenix uh alien movie where you never see an alien well you do see one halfway through in some grainy video but then you never see one again until the very end when the plot thickens and the twist happens and it gets so stupid. I mean, basically, it's just the I, the plot is that the aliens are uh, allergic, I guess, to water. And this little girl, uh, Mel Gibson's uh, <laughs> daughter, has been putting water all over the house this entire time. And he they and then there's also this thing where the uh, his wife dies in a horrific car accident, and his her last words are something like "swing away," which reveals how they have to defeat the aliens. Uh, at the end, um, because of a baseball bat that's hanging, and you know, uh, it's really messed up. My uh, my fiance Val, you both know her. Uh, when she drinks water, she'll just leave it places. So there's cups all around our house, and it looks like signs. <laughs> there's just like a glass, like it's in the bathroom and like on the TV stand. Uh, just, just it's Abigail Breslin, right? Yeah, yeah Abigail, Abigail Breslin, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh-huh. Um, but again, this I love this movie. The way that it just builds up tension. Uh, the way that they're just stuck inside this house, and they, you just feel how in danger they are. It just—it really—it's. I thought I thought they did a really great job, but then 
I don't know. I think people were thinking um, M. Night stuff always had to have a twist after, you know, Sixth Sense after I think he thought that, too. He thought that as well. <laughs> so um, he just – I don't know where this came from or what, what happened with it, but um, they just didn't live up to anything that – Was that the last movie or was Unbreakable after that where people considered good? Signs is the last one that people considered good. And I have a lot of problems with Signs. The thing I hate most about it is – the intentional vagaries he throws in there, like all the news reports that people are watching or they're watching throughout the movie and they never mention aliens. They just say they were able to fight them back and it just bugged the shit out of me. Right. Just cause it, it feels like, like, Oh, I'm not revealing it for the sake of revealing it or for the, for the sake of not revealing it. Um, what else? Is that your only two? I guess we'll each pick two. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go have three. Well, I just thought of a third one right now. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm going to echo your M. Night Shyamalan um, with Unbreakable, mm-hmm. a movie that could have been awesome, and then at the end... It kind of was awesome. It kind of was awesome, and then at the end, it's like, oh. At the end, it's revealed that uh, that Samuel L. Jackson is, uh, I guess, a supervillain, sort of. Right. Has been behind everything, and it reveals that in like on-screen text. Mm-hmm. And then the movie's just over. What? Yeah, no, you yeah, don't agree. You don't yeah, agree? no, no, no. I, I, I definitely don't like Unbreakable uh, ending, um, as well as The Village. I mean, that's another one that he. All these twists. No wonder he didn't want to put a twist in. Um, what's that one movie that he just did? Uh, after oh, Earth. Uh, after Earth. After. Or no, was there a twist in After Earth? I don't. I didn't. Remember. I don't remember. Earth. No, the one before it, the one uh, with the Airbender. Airbender. <laughs> I heard that. That's uh, M Night Shyamalan has been kind of. I've never seen someone go from celebrated to hack in the public's eyes so quickly. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, yeah, that, it is crazy. And does here, let me ask you this, though. Did the hackery ever make you, like, question whether or not the twist in The Sixth Sense is actually good? No, not at all. No, because, I mean, you know, what? like they say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> Except so, for, like, uh, uh, the... Uh, the Friedberg and Seltzer, I don't think they've found their nut yet. Oh, no, not yet. So they're still making money. So. <laughs> they, they're finding their nut in that aspect. They're, yeah. Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross, <laughs> Cody, gross. You don't, you don't remember in Step Brothers talking about, Adam Scott talking about making his nut with the Catalina wine mixer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much, so many good quotes in that. That thing is lost in it. Uh, but yeah, I think Sixth Sense is really well done. And it's one of those, if you, the thing I love most about uh, a good twist ending is that you could go back and maybe figure it out yeah. if you if you so desired. If you just paid attention and saw clues. Because Sixth Sense is full of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like, this is TV, but Lost mm-hmm. is bullshit. Yeah. Because that's just twists for the sake of twists. You know, it's just, it, we've talked about Lost outside of the podcast before. But it just never, it's all, it's all set up with no payoff. And the twist doesn't make any sense. And that's the same way I feel about uh, my second movie is Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, which is not a good movie anyway. Now, that's not that's not take away uh, from the original. The original twist is the original twist is that it was was Earth all along. Yeah. Damn it. Can that's one of those spoilers that like it's on the fucking DVD cover. Now. <laughs> if you look at it, it's like, oops. Yeah. 
it's so ingrained in the public consciousness. Well, not only that, but I think one of us, someone, someone mentioned that these prequels, just based on the fact that they exist, already spoil. Well, that's the same way with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, if you don't know that uh, Luke is, I mean, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yeah, but that line is in the lexicon, so it's like it's. Well, that's what I'm saying is that that uh, there was a time when you could reasonably still be spoiled by that. Yeah. Or reasonably still think that's something new, which I think this is going to be blasphemous, but that's kind of an overrated plot twist too, because it doesn't because it was last minute. I don't know if you, either of you know, nobody knew that line until later. The line in the script was, uh, Obi-Wan killed your father. Mm. So, mm. and I think it kind of, it makes the, it makes the whole thing too small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's a big problem with the prequels of Star Wars, other than that they're not that great of movies, but that like, it's maybe like six people in the whole galaxy that do everything. <laughs> Uh, but Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, getting back to that, uh, Mark Wahlberg escapes. I don't even remember how. Do you? Something. I, did, I didn't see it, so I don't You never know. saw that? It's, no. It's, do you know the twist ending? Uh, no. He makes it back to Earth, crashes like in the streets of Washington, D.C., uh, and like his little pod or whatever rolls up onto the Lincoln Memorial, and police surround him, and they're all apes. Mm-hmm. And he looks up at the Lincoln Memorial, and it's an ape. It's an Abraham Lincoln ape. Is it dressed as Lincoln? Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's, as if, it's as if everything else in the world happened, except instead of humans, it was apes. So like every incident that led to everything else in the world just replace wow. humans with apes. And it makes no fucking sense. And I think Tim Burton... Even admitted that it was just something they pulled out of their ass. Yay, Tim Burton, way to way to way to own up to it. Jesus <laughs> that's Christ, true. Man. But yeah, so so it lands. Uh, yeah, it's Abraham Lincoln, and it's like, oh no! But it makes no sense. Like, where, <laughs> like so, is he in another dimension? What is it? Um, and then the third movie I want to uh, throw out there is uh, Super Eight. I know you love Super Eight, and I don't know if it's a twist. Kiko likes it too. Yeah, I don't know if it's a twist, but. There's absolutely no payoff to the secrecy that was behind it. I, do you mean and do you mean the secrecy altogether that was behind it? Yeah, um, like because like, I I see that as overrated, and I know we've talked about having prob- my problems with J.J. Abrams before, but Super Eight, you you know nothing going in, and the payoff isn't worth the buildup, in my opinion. I I, I guess I, I mean. In that sense, maybe from like a marketing perspective, but as a movie, I don't think it's a letdown. Or, but I, I mean, I it, personally, I can't separate the marketing from the movie. That's a little unfair, though, isn't but, it? But eh, probably, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, that's um, I don't think that I don't think that you know the marketing is tied. I mean, obviously, JJ was probably like, let's keep this as secretive as possible, but I don't know if he was responsible as much, but I think he's totally responsible for all that stuff. I think that's his, I mean, we've, it's been demonstrated over and over again that he's responsible for the, but we knew it was a monster movie going in. Right. But the, the fact that, you know, nothing about it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm spoiled by trailers that reveal everything. Now, maybe I'm spoiled by the fact that I can read a plot synopsis for any movie at any time on my phone. But I just feel like that's one of those movies that the buildup was not in anywhere in relation to the payoff. 
what if the monster instead was having an affair <laughs> with the other monster? With the Cloverfield bro? monster. Yeah. <laughs> they look exactly the same. They do. No, I, 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 I guess I can see where you're coming from as far as build-up, but I think that's a little bit different than... I agree that it's twist. different, but it, it just seems like a thing that's that's cut from the same cloth. You know, But Something... I mean, we can go on and on about movies that have great trailers or great marketing that don't live up to the promise. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's true. true. Um, you know, I was actually reading, you know, for inspiration, I didn't use any of them, but um, actually I used one, but using using lists of awful plot twists, just Googling lists, and there's some weird lists out there that has like things that I legitimately love on lists. And there's, there's one, I don't, should I call out the website that has a really bad list? Yeah, go sure, for it. whatever. It's screencrush.com. Okay. They're, I mean, they obviously have stuff like The Village, but like their number two bad plot twist is Life of Pi. Um, I never saw it. They have something that I love. Um, their number eight is The Mist. Okay. Did you? Did you I guys didn't see, see that? that either? The Frank Darabont uh, movie with we talked about. Tom it yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like The Mist, but I don't even remember what the plot twist was. Oh man, what the plot it? twist is so good. Oh, where they kill? Um... Like he, uh, like basically, he says that there's no way out. Tom Jane thinks that there's no way out, and he's with his son. And, uh, oh, that's right. They're at the car, right? They're in the car, and I guess I'll give it away since we're doing that. He uh, he's got uh, two bullets left in his gun, and he he kills his son. And then as he's putting the gun in his mouth to kill him uh, to kill himself, the mist clears up, and like the army shows up, and <laughs> and like and everything is fine. Just after he kills his son, just describing is that, that a twist. <laughs> is that a twist? God, I'm getting lost in what's a twist and what's not. Because I think a twist would be something that goes in an unexpected direction. That's just like... I don't know, but it's dark. <laughs> that's just a tragic plot point. Yeah, it's dark. God, uh, I'm so confused now. And then uh, he puts... And I don't remember... He he puts Sunshine on this list. The twist in Sunshine. Oh, Sunshine's a great movie, but I I, I agree with that one. The twist. Like, the, like the villain... Part yeah, of it. The, the yeah. monster type thing at the end. Yeah. What are we qualifying as a twist? It's just a, a unexpe- an unexpected plot point, I would say. Well, that would be no good deed. But see, I don't think a twist would be like something you expect didn't expect to happen happens. You I just I mean? said an unexpected plot point. But I mean, the... like, but Did, ba- based mean... on based on the rest of the movie. Okay, so you mean that. That it's building towards something and then pulls the rug yeah, out and there you go. does there something you go. different. Like, so, word. like it deviates from the path it's going. Right. I like I. You know, of course, I think of the Usual Suspects, which you haven't seen. Yeah. But. Well, and again, I, I don't think that the thing in the mist is a twist either. I, okay. I, I agree with okay. you. I don't think that's a twist, but it's on this list, which is. Weird. So I guess that makes my my uh, eight mil- eight millimeter super eight thing. Uh, also, eight millimeter sucked. Fuck that movie. <laughs> but uh, uh, my super eight thing kind of bullshit too. Yeah. I just it's don't. It's like right. I think we're all confused now. I think. Twists are you can either it's do you, do you ever get like a just an okay twist? There's no such thing, right? I mean, it's either good, really good, or really bad. Uh, you know, um, is there an okay twist? I think uh, I I think back. Did you see Wild Things? You remember Wild Things uh-huh. with the uh, oh that see that one <laughs> that twist took so long to to that's, to, exp- to explain. See, and that's just kind of a series of double crosses. Yeah, I don't like. See, that's one of the twists. Here's a good thing. Twists that I don't like are ones that take forever to explain at the end. Uh, that one did it. There was um, oh, uh, a movie called Lucky Number Slevin. Uh, uh, Reindeer Games. Reindeer Games. Reindeer um, Games is one of those that everything had to work out a very specific way. For it to happen. For the right. twist to happen. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, there's a few more examples of like where it just takes 
another 15 minutes to explain why yeah. it was a twist or what made the twist happen. Um, the, that one John Cusack movie where he there was a bunch of people at a hotel. Remember oh, that uh, one? 1408. No, 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 not 1408. Um, Identity? Identity, oh, that, that twist what, took forever to figure out and then it, it was just came out to be really stupid. But, but there are good twists. I mean, we sit here bashing twists, but there are some There's some awesome some great twists. twists. I love the twist in uh, Usual Suspects. Well, I saw Usual Suspects this weekend again. Uh, it was on, I can't remember what station I have. Cine- Cineplex? Is there something Cinemax? called? Cinemax? No, not Cinemax. There's like a... Movieplex? Movieplex. Yeah. What is that? I just got I it on no my... Idea. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that's... It was on and... Yeah, it still gives me goosebumps. That when... Yeah, because you're like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. My favorite twist is either uh, Old Boy... Well, that's sick, Cody. <laughs> it's such an awesome. The original reveal, old boy, yeah, they're not, re- not the. Um, well, doesn't the remake have the same twist? I haven't seen all of no, it yet. Uh, no, and then well, uh, kind of. I think that Fight Club is a great twist. Oh yeah, I think Fight Club's awesome. Yeah, the, I agree with that. Out of guess, your favorite twist was Crying Game. <laughs> what's your favorite? What, what's your favorite, Jared? You got a favorite? Uh, I, like I said, the Usual Suspects is one that I love. Um. I'm looking on Kiko's wall to try to think. Moon has a pretty great twist in it. Oh, Moon has Moon's, a great but twist. But Moon's revealed pretty early, though, isn't it? No, no. Um, no, not the like the big twist of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I get that. That that's a great that's a great movie. Um, well, in, in the same vein, uh, Source Code, I guess, is a. Oh uh, yeah. I, I was not crazy about that. Movie. I like Source Code twist. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What? I like Quinceanera's twist at the end, <laughs> where she's not really 15; she's 14. She's getting, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's getting her birthday uh, one year early. Uh, no, I don't know. We're all looking at Kiko's wall for inspiration. Kiko's wall is covered with uh, the old Blockbuster uh, tabs. What would you call those? They're like... Uh, it's like the DVD covers. The that, placeholders. Why did they market these things? Why did they do this? Can you... Like, just Blockbuster's hubris. Like, let's just print versions of the DVD cover at cost for... To put on the shelf instead of having the DVD out there. Like, Why? Yeah, well, uh, for it, well, it was to become my wallpaper. It was to make later up, on, that's why. It was to make up for the fact that they had their own cases with their with no artwork on them for a while, and then they fixed that. But <laughs> then they just decided, hey, we could just leave the DVDs in these things <laughs> with the cases instead of spending money printing stuff. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah, that's enough of looking at Kiko's wall. Uh, okay, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Oh, Orphan. Did you ever see Orphan? I heard the twist about Orphan's Orphan. a great twist. That was that was a fun. St- like a stupid movie, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Orphan is good. I, there's probably a bunch more I can think of if I sat down and did it, but yeah. it's just really... <laughs> anyway, I just saw yeah. that one. We're actually going to have... Oh, go ahead and do your outro. That's it. Go ahead. What do we got we, next week, Cody? Well, we're actually going to have a pretty packed show. What do we got next week, Cody? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like we know for sure we'll have the guests because we've seen that. We'll probably have the Maze Runner that screens. Um, we might have... Uh, this is where I leave you, or a walk among the tombstones. Tusk comes out next week. Oh yeah! Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have a packed show. The guest, the guest. Does that have a twist? You think? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Slightly. Do we yeah. want to play the news clip uh, that we've all been laughing at right now as a tease, or do we want to play? Well, it next well let's week? do it next week if we're gonna do it when we talk <laughs> okay. about the guests because it's a movie I think we all kind of enjoyed, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. So that's a tease for next week. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us, podcast at cinesnob.net. You can also call us or leave a voicemail, send a text message at 920-FILM-210. That's 
210. Let us know what your favorite twists are, our least favorite twists. Yeah, send yeah. us an email. Tell us what your favorite twist is. Um, not the Chubby Checker and the <laughs> Fat Boys version. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys. <laughs> anyway. Hey, that sounds like a, that sounds like a, like a morning zoo radio show. Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys? <laughs> yeah. In the morning. In who the morning. Who would have thought that Chubby Checker would have outlived one of the Fat Boys? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, leave us a review, please. Please. We love it. Uh, Stitcher. Ow, I bit my tongue. <laughs> you need a stitch. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, leave us a review and um, let us know what you think of the show. Whether you like it, whether you love it, whether you hate it, we just want to know. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.